and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, how's everybody doing? Come on, everybody good? Oh, come on, let's be a little louder. We good today? Hey, welcome to Destiny Church. We're honored to have you guys hanging out with us today. Man, you can sense the presence of the Lord in the room. Welcome those who are watching online. We are honored to have you guys with us in your living room or wherever you might be. We're excited to have you in the room. Some of you may be sitting even on a boat because it's a nice spring day, but we're welcome. We're glad to have you wherever you might be. Hey, for everyone who made Easter possible, I just want to say thank you. Um, You might notice a little bit as I'm preaching today, I've almost got my voice all the way back, but last week did it really good. And uh, my family kept looking over at each other during service and saying, he needs to take a drink. He needs to take a drink. I didn't need a drink. I just had no voice left. And so, but we're excited to have you guys. But man, I want to celebrate. We had great crowds and that was amazing. And seeing family and friends back to church, it hadn't been around in a while. But man, what was amazing to me is in adult services only, not counting our kids' numbers, um, but in adult services only, just at Republic, we saw almost 50 people say yes to Jesus. And that was incredible. And that was amazing. And... uh and, uh, you know, a highlight for me and for Tasha was that Malik, our seven-year-old, sat in the first service and listened to Dad preach. And at the end of that service, he and I had been talking about him asking Jesus into his heart that week. And uh, he's like, yeah, I need to do that sometime. And, and so we were sitting there one day at school getting ready to drop him off. And I said, well, man, Easter weekend's a great time to do that. You should ask Jesus into your heart at Easter. And he goes, well, is that the only time I can ask Jesus in my heart? And I was like, no, you can ask him into your heart anytime. But, uh, but at the end of that first message, I look over and my son's raising his hand at me. And, uh, you know, and that's every parent's dream. And especially a pastor's dream to look down and see your kid waving their hand and saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. And uh, so it's so special. Hey, in my hand here, I hold a $100 bill. And I want to give this to somebody today. I'm going to give it out to somebody today. You sit down. But I want to give it out to somebody today, all right? So I want everybody to stand to your feet. And we're going to see who qualifies for my $100 bill today. I want everyone to stand to your feet, every single person to stand. Let's see if you qualify for my $100 bill today, all right? You got to see if you qualify. If you were not born in the state of Missouri, Oklahoma, Colorado, or Florida, be seated. If you were not born in one of those four states, Missouri, Oklahoma, Colorado, or Florida. Why those? Well, because Oklahoma's kind of close, and it's not Arkansas, and we don't, you know, so anyway, but anyway, so, and then Colorado and Florida are two states I love. So anyway, so there you go. Remain standing, all right? So don't throw things at me, all right? I'm going somewhere with this, but um, if you're a female, sit down. All right, so remain, remain standing only. All right, now, 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 you can only remain standing if you're married. If you're not married, sit down. If you're not married, sit down. All right, if you do not have children, sit down. If you don't have kids, sit down. All right, if you don't have a college degree or currently working on a college degree, sit down. All right. Hey, for those of you that are seated, I want to encourage you, come back next Sunday, all right? Come back next Sunday. I'll have another $100 bill that I'm going to give out, but I just, but for those of you that are, you know, if you're still, if you're seated, 
All right, next Sunday, all you got to do is become like one of these guys that are left standing to their feet, all right? You got to look like Alan, you got to dress like Alan, you got to be born into a family like Alan, and you got to have a college degree, all right? All right, so those of you that are standing, keep standing. I want to do a little bit more. But for this part, you don't have to be seated until the very end. So I'm just going to go through a list of things, and I don't want you to be embarrassed and sit down for any of these, all right? So at the very end, when I'm done, if any of them disqualify, you can sit down, all right? So here are, if you've memorized all the books of the Bible, you're, you're good, all right? So if you don't know all the books of the Bible in just a minute, you're going to have to sit down. If you've read your Bible every single day for the past year, you can keep standing. All right. If you've given 10% of all your tithe for the past year, you can remain standing. If you've taken a Sabbath day of rest every single week for the past year, you're going to allow to be standing. If you've never had sex outside of marriage, I'm going to let you remain standing. If you've never been drunk or never done illegal drugs, I'm going to let you remain standing. If you've never listened to rock and roll music, I'm going to allow you to keep standing. If you've never watched an R-rated movie, I'm going to allow you to keep standing. And last but not least, if you drive a white Chrysler minivan, you get to remain standing. If any of those disqualified, you sit down. (laughs) Looks like I'll keep my $100, all right? (laughs) Maybe you're asking, Pastor Chad, Why did you do this crazy game? Well, this was the religious order of Jesus' day. It wasn't $100 bills, but there were certain status and privilege that came for being a man born into a certain family and of the right tribe and had all the right religious training and all the right religious practices. And people who had all of this right would wear certain religious headgear and robes and they would have jewels on those robes and people were around. But I wonder today about those who didn't qualify. Let me ask you, when I said be seated, if you weren't born in a certain state, the only moan I had is when I told the ladies to be seated. But I wonder how many of you ladies, when I first said that, you got a little mad. You felt a little bit disqualified. Did it discourage you? probably discouraged some, made somebody mad. Well, when Jesus arrived on the scene, most people kind of felt like us and they were kind of left out. But it wasn't about $100 bills. It was, they were left out of what they thought was eternal ramifications. The common people of the day, the common people like you and me were, for the most part, they were left out. No matter how hard they might've tried, the religious elite kept them out. No matter what they did, they didn't add up. No matter what they did, they couldn't get that $100 bill. You could hold up $100 bills all day long, but the people, the everyday person was not going to qualify. Well, this is where Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus starts preaching about a new kingdom. Not only was Jesus preaching about a new kingdom, Jesus was demonstrating the power of this new kingdom. Now we know that Jesus wasn't handing out $100 bills. But Jesus was handing out hope. Jesus was coming for the, he wasn't coming for the people that had that special headgear. He wasn't coming for those who had the special robes. Jesus was coming for the everyday average person. Jesus, the Bible tells us, was coming to seek and save that which was lost. He was coming for the sinner, but he was also coming for the saint. Jesus was coming for the religious. He was coming for the sinner. He was coming for the outcast. He was coming for the downcast. He was coming from the everyday average person. He was coming for the addict. He was coming for the up. He was coming for the down. Jesus 
came for every single person. Jesus, when he came on the scene, was saying, my kingdom is a kingdom that is for anyone and everyone. There are no certain qualifications. You simply have to believe in him and have to ask him to be Lord of your life. If you've done those things, if you've said those things, you can be a part of this kingdom. And that was wonderful news then, and it's wonderful news today. You can, I can, all of us in this room can be a part of the kingdom of God. It's an all-inclusive kingdom. It used to be exclusive. But when Jesus died on the cross and was buried and we rose from the grave as we celebrated last week, the Bible tells us that a veil was ripped in two. And from that point forward, I didn't need special access from a priest or somebody to go before me. I myself could boldly walk into the throne room of God. Why? Because Jesus made it possible for all of us to be a part of his kingdom. It's an all-inclusive kingdom. Jesus did away with exclusivity, exclusivity, and he said, rich or poor, black or white, male or female, gay or straight, it doesn't matter. Jesus said, I am making a way. You can be a part of this kingdom, the kingdom of God. Or as Matthew called it, the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Matthew was the only author in the entire Bible to call it the kingdom of of heaven. 32 times in his gospel, he referenced the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the New Testament, when we see the word kingdom of heaven or the phrase kingdom of God, it refers to the same thing, the same place. It's not some, it's not referring to some far off mystical kingdom that we one day want to go to. It's a kingdom that is alive and active and it's well today. All in all, this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, or as Paul said, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ, all in all, that phrase was used over 100 times in the New Testament. The concept of the kingdom of God was central to the teaching of Jesus. In fact, Jesus in his 40 parables that he taught, 19 of those, he referenced the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. E. Stanley Jones defines the kingdom of God like this. The kingdom of God is God's, is God's total order, expresses realm and reign in the individual and in society. In Hebrew, the language that Jesus would have been speaking at this time, the phrase kingdom of heaven or the phrase kingdom of God looks a little different than our English language might make it sound like today. Let me explain just a bit. The word kingdom When we think of the word kingdom, we probably think of kings and queens and castles and knights and monarchs. If you're like me, when I think of kingdoms, I think of Great Britain. I think of the royal family. And you're like, why would you think of the royal family? Because they're on the news everywhere in America. You know, it's like this guy died or this person did this. But when I think of kings and kingdoms, I think of this is what I think of. But that's not what the word kingdom refers to. It's not talking about a castle. It's not talking about a monarch. The word kingdom here, the word kingdom in Hebrew is best translated as rule or reign. So this phrase kingdom of God literally means the kingdom that is ruled by God. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever in the future. It is a kingdom that is ruled and reigned by God. And that is what Jesus was teaching about in the gospels. And that's what Jesus wants us to get today. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is not so much a kingdom that is defined by boundaries. The kingdom of God is defined by lordship. And you can be a part of this kingdom if you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. Be a part of this kingdom if you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. 
What I want to do today is I want to talk with you for the next few moments about the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask you in these next few moments, would you be in this room? God, I've preached a lot of messages in this church in my 15 years. I've never one time preached on the kingdom of God. And I believe you've given me fresh insight and revelation into what is the kingdom of God. And this is a now message. And you're calling the church to realize that we're part of a different kingdom. And Lord, there's, there's rights and there's privileges of being in this kingdom, but there's also responsibilities. And I pray today that we grab a hold of these responsibilities. We know that you've called us. Speak to every heart and every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. The question we have to ask ourselves when talking about the kingdom of God is how does the kingdom of God affect us? And I believe there are four truths when we look at the kingdom of God that we need to look at and that we need to understand. And to begin with, I believe the kingdom of God affects us in two ways, individually and globally. And I want to look at those first two first. Number one, the kingdom of God, if you're taking notes, the kingdom of God transforms us individually. The kingdom of God transforms us individually. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33. If you have that, you can read it in your Bible. It'll be on the screens. It'll be on your TV screen as well. Here is another of his illustrations. This is verse 31. The kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew talking. So remember, he referenced the kingdom of God as the kingdom of heaven. One of the reasons was Jews felt like they, it was so sacred to say the name of God. So they, he translated it as heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a tiny mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but becomes the largest of plants and grows into a tree where birds can come and find shelter. He also used this example. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a woman making bread. She takes a measure of flour and mixes in the yeast until it permeates every part of the dough. The kingdom of God transforms us. Yes, it may start out small in our lives. It may start off with a prayer on a Sunday morning. It may start off with a prayer like it did for me at an Assembly of God kids conference. I remember six, seven years old walking forward with four or five other kids and saying yes to Jesus. It may start small like that. It may start in your living room. It may start with a prayer at a bedside. It may start small, but if we allow the Lord to do his work in our lives, we become like that mustard seed or we become like that yeast. If we allow the Lord to permeate our being, we grow and we become who God is calling us to become. The kingdom of God, if we allow it to do its work in our lives, the kingdom of God will transform us. Transformation transformation. And ultimately, that's why Jesus came to transform us. He came to transform us. That's our ultimate goal, even as a church this year, transformation. The problem with the people of Jesus' day was they thought that when their Messiah came, he was coming to set up a kingdom that would be national in scope, meaning they thought it would be political in nature and it would transform their nation into a world power. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to set up a worldly kingdom that becomes a superpower in this world. That's not why he came. We know that one day he will be, and he already is the highest name in this earth. 
But one day that kingdom will rule and reign, but that's not why he ultimately came. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came. He came to transform men and women. He came to transform sons and daughters. He came to transform black and white, brown and white. He came to transform moms and dads, rich and poor. He came so that we might have life. John 10, 10 tells us the devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus Jesus came so that we might have life. Why did Jesus come? To transform us. He came so that we would be like that mustard seed or like that yeast. When the kingdom of God gets inside you and it permeates you and you allow God to become Lord of your life, the Bible tells us that he will transform us and we become like him. Well, after Jesus arrives on the scene and begins teaching this new kingdom, people begin to follow Jesus. And his followers, they put their faith and their hope in him. Their hope was no longer in the fact that Rome would eventually get it and become a Christian empire. They gave that up, and their hope was now in Jesus. Their hope was in a different kingdom. Their hope was in Jesus who was transforming the world one person at a time. And these followers of Jesus, they knew from personal experience, they encountered Jesus, they knew that he had transformed their lives, and they believed without a doubt that Jesus could transform others. And what I want to tell you today is if you don't know Jesus, he can and he will transform your life. All you have to do is ask him to come in. But I want to tell you today, it's more than raising a hand, it's more than saying a prayer. I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. We say, I said the prayer. Let me tell you, that's point one. That's great. That's a great place to start. But if you want Jesus, if you want the kingdom of God to rule and reign in your life, you've got to make Jesus Lord of your life. The kingdom is not defined by boundaries. It's defined by lordship. We become transformed when we make Jesus Lord of our lives. Many of you are wondering, our church is talking about transformation this year. Why has my life never really been transformed into the image of Jesus? It's be simply because you've never asked Jesus to become Lord of your life. What's that mean? Ruler, master, everything in your life. That's the problem for many of us is we've never made him master or ruler or Lord. Earlier, I told you the kingdom of God affects us two ways, individually and globally. We just talked about individually. Well, the second one is the kingdom of God transforms the world. The kingdom of God transforms the world. Mother Teresa once said, by blood and origin, I am Albanian. My citizenship is in India. I am a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the whole world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to Jesus. Listen to me, yes, we are all still a part of the kingdom of this world. If we live on this earth, we are a part of this kingdom, but our allegiance must be to a different kingdom. And with that allegiance to the kingdom of God, we are called as individuals to help transform the world. The kingdom for which we are part of, the kingdom that when you say yes to Jesus, you become a part of that kingdom, is not just for our private enjoyment. Jesus never asked the church to become a little holy club where we insulate ourselves and become separate from the world. 
Let me say it again. Jesus never called the church to become a little holy club where we insulate ourselves from the world and we separate ourselves from the world. The kingdom is too big to be kept to ourselves. The kingdom is too big to be kept to ourselves. It's not just about you and Jesus. It's not just about us four and no more. The kingdom of God goes against this idea of radical individualism that has swept through and invaded our culture. The kingdom of God is not about the individual. The kingdom of God is about the entire community of Christ. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. When you say yes to Jesus, you are no longer in it for yourself. You're in it for the community. You become a part of the community of God. You are here to make a difference in the world. If you say yes to Jesus, listen to me, he is asking you, that's just the pastor's job. It's just the youth pastor's job. No, it's a mom and dad's job. It's a son and a daughter's job. It's a teenager's job. If you've said yes to Jesus, your calling is to help transform the world. I love what Acts chapter 17, verse 4 through 6 says about Paul and Silas. They encountered Jesus, and they helped to make a difference in the world. Let's look at it. This is from the Passion Translation. It says, some of the Jews were convinced that their message was true. So they joined Paul and Silas, along with quite a few prominent women and a large number of Greeks who worship God. But many of the Jews were motivated by bitter jealousy and they formed a large mob out of the troublemakers, unsavory characters, and street gangs to incite a riot. They set out to attack Jason's house, for he had welcomed the apostles into his home. The mob was after Paul and Silas and sought to take them by force and bring them out to the people. When they couldn't find him, they took Jason instead, along with some of the brothers in his house church, and they dragged them before the city council. And listen what it says. Along the way, they screamed out, These troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. Paul and Silas were being accused of being troublemakers, but it was actually an unintended compliment to the effectiveness of God's work through them. Listen to me. When they complained that they had turned the world upside down, what they were really saying is these men's lives, these women's lives have been so radically changed that they have impacted our world and nothing now seems the same. Wouldn't it be awesome if people look at the people of Destiny Church and say their lives have been so radically impacted that nothing in our world looks the same and they've turned our world upside down. Wouldn't it be awesome if the world said that about you? That's what the kingdom of God is all about. Transformation, turn the worlds upside down. It's not just about making sure that Chad Blancet is saved and on my way to heaven. It's once Chad Blancet is saved and once I'm secure in my relationship, once I've made Jesus Lord of my life, then I need to start doing my part to help turn the world upside down. Actually, the right way to think of this is God was working through Paul and Silas to turn the world right side up again. Listen, when you yourself are upside down, the other direction appears to be upside down. And honestly, that's the world we live in today. Right is wrong, wrong is right, up is down, and down is up. And the world thinks that we as Christians are the ones that are upside down. The world thinks that we as Christians are the ones that are wrong. The world thinks that we as Christians are the ones that need to adhere to what they think and what they believe. But can I tell you today, hold your ground. 
Stand firm in your convictions. Stand firm in your faith. We are not upside down. We are right side up. We are part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is wanting to change this world. So hold your ground. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your convictions. The world needs what you have. The world needs the kingdom of God that is living inside of you. There is injustice in this world. There is hurt. There is poverty. There is pain. There is sickness. There is rebellion but the world needs the kingdom of God that lives in us. As Christians, we are the ones he uses to transform the world. It's time for us to do our part. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Never in the New Testament do we see individual Christians operating separately from the church. Well, actually, let me correct that. We see that one time. We see it with a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. They tried to do their own things apart from the church, and they were struck down. We don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira, right? But over and over again, we see in the New Testament church, they were working together for the purpose of bringing the world to Jesus. Let me just tell you, the kingdom of God is not about simply your personal faith. The kingdom of God is about being a part of the community of God, the kingdom of faith that's helping to change the world one person at a time. Third thing I want to talk to you about today is the kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is now. The message of the kingdom is two-edged. It refers to two frames of, to- uh, two frames of time. The kingdom of God is now, and the kingdom of God is not yet. When we talk about the kingdom of God is now, what, we say, what we're saying is the kingdom of God is being realized now. Let me just say, just partially, not fully yet, but God is right now redeeming mankind. He is right now restoring relationships. He is right now, I believe, specifically in the United States of America, he is restoring his lordship. That's happening now. The kingdom of God is not just in the distant future, it's now. As Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, he said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. What he's saying is the kingdom of God is already here. Why do I say all this to you today? Because I want you to know, yes, there's more for the kingdom of God to come. There's more. There's more for the kingdom of God to come. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But I believe the kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is now. God wants to move now. Listen to me. When I see Jesus come onto the scene and establish his new kingdom, what do I see happening? What's the main, what's one of the main signs we see when the kingdom of God came to earth? Yes, we see people being saved. We saw miracles. We see healings. We see supernatural works, right? When the kingdom of God comes, we see God move and do supernatural things. And and I don't believe that those days are over. I don't believe that those days died with Jesus. I don't believe that those days died with the apostles. I don't believe those days are behind us or way off in the distant future. I believe the kingdom of God is active now. Healings, now salvations now miracles now restoration now marriages restored now financial miracles now i believe the kingdom of god is now in fact i believe that the kingdom of god is now so much that i believe the lord wants to heal now 
right this minute. I believe God wants to restore now, right this minute. I believe God wants to heal marriages now, right this minute. I believe he wants to take some couples that walk in here, you're sitting beside each other, but that spark, that flame, that love has died. God wants to restore it now. I believe there's some people in this room that need a financial miracle in your life now, and God wants to give it to you now. So if you're in this room now, and you are a part of the kingdom of God, or if you're here and you say, Pastor I'm not a part of the kingdom of God. Well, guess what? I see even in the Bible that Jesus healed people that weren't yet a part of the kingdom of God. But once they said yes to Jesus and he did things in their life, they become a part of that kingdom. So if you're here today and you need a healing in your body, you need a healing in your marriage, you need a healing in your finances, you need a healing in your mind or a healing in a relationship, you need God to do something in your life now. I want you to stand to your feet. If you need something in your life, I want you to stand now because I believe now is the time that God is going to do something right now this moment what looks bleak he's going to heal now what looks hopeless he's going to give hope now i don't know how he does it i just know that by his power and by his grace he does it now it's not by my might stand in your living room you need a miracle stand now i believe that god wants to do something in your life so right now all across this room i want christians to begin to turn around don't stand to your feet i just want you to begin to point to people if somebody in your living room is standing to their feet son daughter grab your mom's hand i want you to grab them but I want you to look at them right now and I want to pray a prayer of faith over you right now because I believe that God wants to heal in this church right now so in the name of Jesus not by my power not by anything I've done but God by what you've done I believe you're a miracle working God now and I believe the chains are falling now and I believe that healing is coming now I believe you're restoring backs now I believe you're restoring lung capacity now I believe you're healing somebody's knee right now I believe you're healing somebody's hand right now I believe you're healing somebody's eyes right now I believe you're healing somebody's marriage right now a husband is gonna call his wife and say let's restore it I believe God you're gonna do things right now in in this room. I believe there are prodigal sons and daughters. They're going to begin to make their way home now. They might not get home today, but they're going to turn around in that pig pen today and realize I got to go home now. I got to go see my dad now. I got to go see my mom now. It's time to be a part of the kingdom of God. I hear a trumpet sounding and I believe God is calling sons and daughters home and he's repairing the body of Christ and he's preparing us for a great work and I believe God's going to heal you right now. I believe he's healing somebody's foot right now. I believe he's healing somebody's mind right now. I believe he's healing anxiety right now. Doubt has got to go right now in Jesus' name. If you believe that you're healed, I want you just to give him a shout right now and say, I'm healed. I'm whole in Jesus' name. I believe it with everything in me today. You can be seated. I believe that something happened in you right now. Yes. I believe it. I believe that something happened in you now. Yes. The kingdom of God is now. But the kingdom of God is also not yet number four. The kingdom of God is not yet. It's not yet. Yeah, it's now. It's alive. It's well. It's active today. I believe he's healing. I believe he healed right now. I believe he took away anxiety. I believe some of you haven't slept uh, a full night or you felt the weight of the world on your shoulders. I just, I just believe this. So God's going to lift somebody's anxiety today off your shoulders. And this is going to be the first day you've been able to fully breathe. And you're going to go to sleep without nightmares and you're going to wake up without anxiety. And you're healed today. In Jesus' name, I believe that. But the kingdom of God is also not yet. And I close with this. Let me try to explain what I mean by the kingdom of God is not yet by explaining to you the seasons of our year. 
I want you to think of the kingdom of God like winter, summer, spring, or fall. Let me explain. Just a month or so ago, we left a crazy winter behind and we stepped into spring. But even though on March 21st, March 22nd, somewhere around there, the official kickoff of spring, how many know we still have some winter type days around here? All those who go watch their kids play spring sports, winter baseball, softball, soccer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go to those sporting events and the calendar says spring, but you're still sitting in your winter's warmest because you're freezing. In spring, you're bundled up. Yes, on or around March 21st, March 22nd, the calendar says spring is here. It has started, but it hasn't yet been fully consummated. March 23rd or April 1st, the calendar might say spring, but your body knows it's still winter. The birds aren't fully chirping. The grass isn't fully green. The flowers aren't fully bloomed. Yes, spring has come now. It's here. It has arrived, but it's still coming. That's how it is with the kingdom of God. You see, when Jesus came to earth that first time, the kingdom of God was started. Healing started. The power of God started. Salvation started. It is now, but it's yet to be fully consummated. It has come, but it is still coming. The kingdom of God will be fully realized in complete and conclusive ways only at the return of Jesus. And when Jesus returns a second time, it's at that point in time he will set up his rule and his reign on earth. We are experiencing Jesus now. We are experiencing the kingdom of God now. And it's great because of what Jesus did the first time. But I'm telling you, he's coming back a second time. And when he comes back that second time, there will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more marriage problems. There will be no more anxiety. There will be no more hopelessness. Why? Because Jesus is coming to set up his rule and his reign. It's not a kingdom that's defined by boundaries. It's a kingdom that is defined by its king. His name is Jesus and he's come to save you. He's come to transform you. He's come to make you whole. He's come to heal your body. If you want to be a part of that kingdom to God today or if you're already a part of that kingdom, let's stand to our feet right now and let's tell our king that we love him. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.